Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you remember? What I told you, a slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they listen to me, they would listen to you. So Peter reminds us that, again, we're foreigners in this secular society because our citizenship, doesn't matter where your citizenship is, United States or Europe or wherever you're from, our real citizenship is in heaven. Could I hear an amen somewhere there? It's already taken care of. You don't have to stand in line. You don't have to have anything stamped. It's already been stamped on your heart. It's natural to want to belong to the group that you most associate with, whether it be your family, your class at school, your church, or your country. The normal thing is to want to have a sense of kinship. When you become a Christ follower, those family associations become secondary to your heavenly family. That's what Pastor Mark will teach you about today. You'll hear about your heavenly citizenship why it's more important than even your blood relatives here on earth. You'll find out about learning to trust God and the things you can't see and understand their importance in your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, Pilgrims Looking for a Better Place. A Christian came to this church. Father and mother have come here. Grandparents still come here. 18 years old. She's in heaven today. Moments before, she would have never thought she'd be gone. But see, that mentality, all the stuff that she had, the amazing person she was, there was a thousand people at the funeral. Kids, high school kids, college kids, like crazy. So I just mentioned to him, add 100 years to where you are. And you know, when you begin to think about that, all the stuff that we get anxious over, it really means nothing. Because we're all going to die. And so that doesn't give us a morbid kind of mentality. But it does bring us a balance. And that comes from a pilgrim mentality that this is not our home. We love it here. Remember, Paul talked about that. We'll see that in a moment. But as you think about that, the battle is always in the mind. Turn with me, and we'll be back there in a moment. So put your finger right there. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Scoot on down to verse 19. You know this well. But I think it's good for us to remind ourselves. Jesus speaking of this. And of course, if anyone anyone, uh, would like to go back... I mean, Jesus probably was tempted in his mind to go back. I mean, look what he left. Paradise. To come to this place. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
What is a treasure in heaven? It's something that outlasts earth. Well, the really only thing we can think about is our witness and people. That's pretty much it. Good works, those kind of things, head up to heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break up and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus poses a huge question for all of us. Where is our heart? Is it tied to this earth? We love being here. It's not really a scripture, but it's a principle that goes with the scripture. He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Well, no, we don't want to be like that. We're here. We're supposed to occupy. We're supposed to do things with excellence. But there's a balance to this. See, Jesus always spoke about our future in heaven. Jesus spoke about this ongoing commitment that when we head off and follow him, a disciple, a follower under discipline, when we do that, we don't have time to look back. I want you to see this scripture. Jesus wrote it, and then I want you to write this. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I wrote it like this. Just leave the past in the past. Now, a few of you might be here, and you're new to Christianity, and you're having a tough time. And you're thinking, well, it really wasn't even this difficult when I wasn't a Christian. Although I have my sins forgiven, it seemed to be a little easier. Well, that's because you were on the other team. And Satan hates it. So in many ways, that verse, that passage, leave the past in the passage for you. Don't you dare turn around and go back. You just stay going forward. All of us run through all kinds of rough things in life. And sometimes we're going to just want to throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Don't look back. You just keep going forward. No matter what happens in your life, you just keep going forward. You're not fit for the kingdom looking back. We're only in this kingdom to look forward. Our worst day here is today. Tomorrow's going to be better. And a few days from now, a thousand years is like a day. It's going to be the best you've ever seen. We're going to see it as we go through. Now look at Colossians. Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So while we're here, we want to be all here. But in our quiet time, in our mentality, this is not our home. We're headed out. So we always have to balance that with all the other things that are happening. Of course, the battle is in the mind. Now, back to Hebrews 11.16. Instead, they admitted they were pilgrims. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. I wrote it like this. People of faith live life with hope for the future. That is by far one of the most important principles for a Christian. The world does not have hope. We have guaranteed hope. You'll see that. These people, even in those days, they were looking for a longing for a better country. They believed by faith that something better was ahead. Their faith was patient. We'll see as we head toward the end of chapter 11, they endured amazing hardships because they believed God had something better. You see, people of faith know that heaven 
is where we belong. Heaven in the Bible is described as a city. It's described as a country. But what I like about is heaven is a real place. It's the dwelling place of God. God often opens different doors, strange ways for us. A few months ago, an individual in our neighborhood, I didn't know the young man, knocked on my door. And he says, I have a friend in one of the charter schools, and she's doing a video, and she's going to need a pastor to interview a little bit. And I said, well, what's the interview about? And he said, well, heaven. I said, that's fine. And I I pretty much had forgotten about it. Well, they called a few weeks ago. And so he came in. It's just another neighbor girl. I didn't know them, of course. And we sat down. And I said, why are you doing this? Why did you pick this? She said, well, I'm going to all kinds of religions and all kinds of different people and trying to see what they think heaven's all about. And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm praying underneath. Okay, God, I don't know what she's going to ask me. I need your help because I'm going to put as much scripture in there as I can. Because anything I say ain't going to stick with her, but scripture she won't get away with. Of course, I'm not telling her that. I'm just praying. And I said to her, well, what have you discovered so far? And she says, well, I'm Jewish. Click. And she said, I've heard from this person and that person and that person what they think. And I heard a pastor not long ago when he was asked a very difficult question on national media, and I picked up on it. It was a wise answer. I loved it. And she says, well, what do you think heaven's like? And I said, well, to be very honest with you, it doesn't matter what I think. The only thing that matters is what God tells me. And he does give me some, but he doesn't give me a lot of information. And I said, people now write books this thick. Paul, when he went to heaven, and I talked to her that he went to heaven, he got back and he said the most prolific writer in the New Testament couldn't write a book. If he couldn't write a book, who am I to begin trying to write a book? And so she said, well, then why do people want to go to heaven? What's one of the greatest things? And I said, well, it's a place where I have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. And I'm there because somebody changed my life on earth. I have hope today. That's where I'm going. And she said, well, why would you want to go there? I said, well, there's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no trouble. You know, all the things that we talk about. And I said, you won't find that in this world. This world is not run by God. It's run by Satan. And I said, there's a spiritual warfare. And I won't go into all the thing or whatever. But as I went through, I could just feel the spirit giving me scriptures as I spoke to her. See, we don't have a right to tell people what heaven's like. What we think, just go open the Bible. It's called paradise. You know, some of you think heaven's going to be boring. Well, I'm glad you can't die in heaven because you're going to be shocked out of your mind <laughs> when, when you get there. There's no CPR guy going to come over and tell you, man, they just found out what heaven's like. Let's see if we can fix them up here. Do not think heaven's boring. God is not boring. I mean, it's not boring here, is it? It's fantastic just to watch what God does. Now, as I wrote that and thought about that, because I talked to her about this very verse, this concept, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And if you, if you saw a four-day all-expense trip to paradise, would you go, eh, it's boring? I don't think so. 
I mean, you'd be on the plane immediately, especially if it was free. Now, when you and I think about that, what does paradise sound like to you? Garden of Eden was paradise. It was perfect. The sum total of everything good. So heaven is a perfect place. Now turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Let's think a moment what Paul said about heaven. By the way, when I finished that whole conversation with her, and they videoed and whatever, and I said, well, we have a Jewish elder here. If you ever want to come and talk, you're welcome to come and talk to him because we believe the Bible's all true. The one who created heaven is the one that gave us the Bible. And what I'm holding in my hand is simply the Word of God, God speaking to us. And then they wanted to come and take a little picture of the sanctuary or whatever. So I brought him in, and she went, wow, this is a lot bigger than the temple. <laughs> temple here that they go to. And, and I said, well, it doesn't matter about that. It's just lots of people come because they love God, and it's alive. So I'm praying. I invited her and the young man to come. How did that happen? I didn't know other people. God opened the door. Why would she pick heaven to write about? Because she's searching. See, God knows our hearts. Isn't he an amazing God? His love never what? No. What's the song you just finished singing? Never give up. Never give up. Never. Say it with me. His love never gives up. He loves us. Now, in Philippians chapter 1, you know the verse. Go to verse 21. Chapter 1, verse 21. For to me... To live is Christ. That's huge. Why am I living? Because of God. And to die, notice what Paul thought about heaven, is gain. Paul didn't say to die is minus one. He says to gain. It's better than here. For if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What was he talking about? He labored for people. He was a pastor. He was an apostle. So if he says, if I stay here, God will use my gifts. He wasn't thinking about himself. God will use my gifts to minister to people. I'll be able to build them up, see people come to Christ, become disciples, whatever. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Better by, by a long shot. But later on, he just says, but to remain is good. Now, notice, I'm torn between the two. I don't know what to do. Well, Paul understood the Old Testament. You and I don't pick when we're born. And I'm sorry to tell you, you don't pick when you die. God does that. There's a time to be born and time to die. Our times are in his hands. So Paul simply knew that heaven was better. And when he's there today, up to that point, he went for it. Now, As you and I think about that, after Paul had been there, how did he know it was better? He was there. What did Paul want to do? He wanted to go home. Remember on your vacation, you want to go home. Paul wanted to go home. Home is where God is. Now, remember, none of these Old Testament believers had any idea what heaven was like. Heaven really was a two-compartment deal, paradise was, in the Old Testament. So 
even if they understood that, they just knew by faith something coming was better. So look back, Hebrews eleven sixteen again. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. I love this. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? For he has prepared a city for them. Remember, the whole title of our series is Faith That Pleases God. So why was God not ashamed to call them his children? Because they were living from start to finish by what? By faith. That's what pleases God. He wasn't ashamed of them. Now, sometimes when I look at that, it's a little hard sometimes, isn't it? All of us have fallen off the faith wagon, haven't we? And we kind of live by our five senses. The way it smells, the way it looks, the way it feels, what we think about it, what we see. We've all done that. These guys, I'm sure, did that too. That's why Abraham went down to Egypt and blew it. He looked by five senses rather than listening to God. But as they started, they were never perfect. But they had a lifestyle of living by faith. When I saw that, that's what I want. God says they were not ashamed to be living by faith. That's what I want. That's why I picked this series for us. That's why I picked that title for us. Because we want to be people that are simply pleasing God by living most of the time by faith. Now, look at Mark eight thirty eight. This is interesting. If anyone, Jesus speaking, is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So what is Jesus speaking there of? Well, a number of things, but number one, he wants to make sure you are publicly identified with him and his truth. How do we do that? You'll hear me say often, every person Jesus calls, he really calls publicly and openly, which is true. What does that mean? Well, Nicodemus wasn't ashamed, even though he went at night. He wasn't ashamed to go to Jesus. The woman at the well, as she began talking, she wasn't ashamed. When Jesus talked to Matthew, he was doing the income tax for the boys. Jesus said, come follow me. He wasn't ashamed to get down in front of all those people and walk away. The Ethiopian eunuch, when they were going through, and remember Philip went over and prayed for him? Philip didn't open this statement. What did the Ethiopian you say? Hey, there's some water. Let's go get water baptized. In front of what? All the entourage, all those people. Wasn't ashamed. Don't be ashamed of your relationship with God. It's powerful. It's the only thing. That's why you can, without, without pressing, you can invite people to church. Because we have the only answer. There's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. That's not debatable. That's the truth. And so, as you get water baptized, that's why we promote water baptism. After you become a Christian, you need to make that public stand in front of everybody. It's not that big a deal in this country, but places where I go, India and China, it's a huge deal. For Muslims, it's the end of their family. For Hindus, for Muslims, it's the end of your family. They will not identify with you anymore because you've done. I think that's so interesting. You can say it, but if you publicly do it, it's the end. What did Jesus ask us to do? Publicly do it. But he didn't just ask us to do it. He did it 
himself as an example for us. So don't be ashamed. What does Paul say? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Now, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. This whole thing about strangers and aliens is, is, not, uh, is not new in the Bible. It's true from the beginning after sin entered the world. Watch what Peter, watch what Peter says in this amazing statement. Dear friends, writing to the church, to you and I, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, here's what he says, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So once again, we see Peter calls his readers to live a righteous life in a hostile world. In other words, as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, you be different. Not weird, but there should be a difference. Not how you dress, what kind of car you drive, but in your lifestyle, the way you treat people, the way you speak, there should be a difference. Certainly, you know today. Now, isn't it interesting? He talks about this war against our soul, this world that we live in. It is hostile. Jesus said this, let me read it to you, John 15. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world, not to isolate, but to make sure that the world doesn't become part of us. We'll see that as we read 1 John later on. So I hate you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they listen to me, they would listen to you. So Peter reminds us that, again, we're foreigners in this secular society because our citizenship, doesn't matter where you're citizenship is, United States or Europe or wherever you're from. Our real citizenship is in heaven. Could I hear an amen somewhere there? It's already taken care of. You don't have to stand in line. You don't have to have anything stamped. It's already been stamped on your heart. Our citizenship is in heaven. Why is Peter writing this? Well, he doesn't want us to be ashamed when we go to heaven. He wants to make sure, in John's word, we learn to sin less. Notice, He tells us how we should live on the way to heaven. Let me give you two keys. Abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. We know this, but we forget this. Key number one, the Christian life is a battle. The battle is for your soul. It's for your fellowship with God. It's an ongoing battle. Today, Pastor Mark taught about faith. He told you that no one can get through life without putting their faith in something. You found out about your need to be prepared for what comes after death on this earth. Focusing on gaining stuff or position in this realm won't do any good once you die. You were told that trusting God for the future is how you get through today. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Pastor Mark's next teaching will see him close out pilgrims looking for a better place. He'll continue through Hebrews 11, talking about the men and women who gave their trust to God. You'll learn about the hard times they had as well as their trust in God, believing that there was going to be a Messiah sometime in the future. You'll get a chance to think about your place in God's grand scheme. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Faith, the Lifestyle that Pleases God. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.